Hello and welcome back to the MRX Lab podcast brought to you by Flex MR, where we investigate and explore topics on the fringes of market research. I'm your host, Chris Martin, and today we're going to be talking about philosophical constructs of knowledge and how our beliefs about the nature of insights shape the very work that we do. Now, while there is debate around rationalism, empiricism, and pragmatism in particular, that may not be applicable to the day-to-day work of researchers, there is still value in examining these worldviews and their theories on knowledge. Through this, we can hopefully better our understanding of how our own points of view are formed, as well as those of decision makers and stakeholders. So first, let's consider rationalism. To be a rationalist means adopting one of at least three major claims. First, the intuition deduction thesis posits that some concepts in a given subject area are known to us through intuition alone, while a broader set can be deduced from intuited propositions. While there's much more outside of these two concentric domains, the claim suggests that intuition and reasonable deduction are important aspects of the mind. The second claim is that of innate knowledge. Going somewhat further than intuition deduction, the innate knowledge thesis states that even without deductive reasoning, all humans know some basic truths in any given domain. Finally, the innate concept thesis simply states that some concepts we apply to a given subject area are part of our rational nature. In short, rationalism favours a view of knowledge as innately built in to human capacity, placing it over experience. Even deductive reasoning and unknown concepts draw on the existing knowledge we might have, whether we are aware of that or not. It's fair to say that researchers actively attempt to avoid this worldview, relying on discovery, data, and experience as the drivers of decisions. However, it's important not to overlook how a rationalist stance might affect stakeholders and decision makers. Simply put, these theses give credit to gut feel and innate knowledge as a factor in the decision-making process. However, if such knowledge and even deductive reasoning is innate, it should be shared between people regardless of experience. We can turn this into an advantage, using initial impressions and feelings that we as researchers have to construct a relatable story that acknowledges where data might play out differently to previously held assumptions. Next, let's turn our attention to empiricism. This represents a near total rejection of the rationalist worldview. There is only one thesis for empiricists to ascribe to, which is that we have no source of knowledge and no source of concepts other than sense experience. 
What does that mean? Well, it means that the entirety of the knowledge we hold has been gained from what we have lived through. Though it's worth noting that in this sense, experience should be understood in a broad capacity. It is what has happened to us throughout our lives, including that which we've read, studied, uh, and the physical processes that we've been through. It's the equivalent of the nurture side of the nature versus nurture debate in psychology. And this too is significant for researchers. If knowledge is acquired by experience, then that means it is not innately shared. That who a person is, their position, their life circumstances, and a myriad of other factors could affect it. So when researchers and insight professionals report to stakeholders, not only should we consider the possibility of shared knowledge as suggested by rationalism, but also the composition of our audience. Knowledge of our audience, their possible perspectives and experiences should be a factor in how we connect with them. Though it's worth also remembering that this not only applies to our post-field work audiences, but research participants too. As we engage qualitatively and quantitatively with them, are we able to separate what opinions are driven by innate knowledge and which are driven by lived experience? Granted, it might not always be necessary to know, but there are cases where the difference can be substantial. Now finally, let's turn our attention to the last important ism I want to discuss, pragmatism. This is a branch of philosophy that rejects the entire idea that the function of thought is to describe, represent, or mirror reality. Pragmatists contend that most philosophical topics, such as the nature of knowledge, language, concepts, meaning, belief, science, are all best viewed in terms of their practical uses and successes. This does not so much aim to describe the nature of knowledge, rather than classify it in a broad sense as to whether it is useful in a practical way or not. It is given meaning and value through this classification. If it is useful, it should be accepted. If it is not useful, then it should be rejected, or at the very least, ignored. I think that this tradition has particular relevance to the fields of market research and insight. Through a pragmatic lens, we can filter vast amounts of data, information, experiences, and knowledge which we acquire through fieldwork. Instead of weighing up the totality of what we discover, pragmatism would advocate that it is first important to define and find use. We can cut away non-useful data to find knowledge and refine it into practical applications that have tangible value. This is a practice I think it's easy for us to forget. Quite often data is just interesting, so we store it for a later date. We think that it might be useful later on, or that others might find use for it even if we do not. But by following the principles of pragmatism, there is a clear path to creating relevant, compelling cases for decision-making. That brings me to the end of today's episode. 
I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the MRX Lab podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to be notified when we publish new episodes on your favourite podcasting service. And you can check out our show notes at www.fletsmr.net. Just head over to the Resource Centre and choose Podcast from the drop-down menu. While we are out of time today, I will see you in a few weeks where we'll be talking about the simultaneous effects of globalization and localization on the research industry, what impact the two opposing forces are having, and what the future might hold. 